You've tuned in to a special edition of the Roundtable Podcast, exploring the future of storytelling at New York Comic Con. Hello, friends. I'm Dave Robison, and welcome to this very special edition of the Roundtable Podcast. Now, as you know, uh, we have in in the past sent out our, our loyal, dedicated fans, our our wandering alchemists, out into the world when when creators and storytellers are gathered in one spot, and and we send them into the crowd to gather gather golden nuggets of wisdom uh, and bring it back for us to discuss and share with you guys. Uh, uh, and just, re- well, actually not just recently, this is a while ago, but we're just now getting around to doing it. Um, we had one of our one of our most devoted and loyal of wandering alchemists go to New York Comic Con and tag some of the awesome people that were there. Uh, uh, and we decided, you know, who better to talk about the gold that was brought back from that stellar event than the man who did it himself. Uh, so, dear friends, please welcome to the comfy uh, co-pilot chair here at the round table, Mr. John McCarthy. John, Surfside Jack, welcome to the round table, my friend. Uh, what, what, where, huh? Huh, where? what, huh? Oh, <laughs> I guess that'd be me. That would be you, Surfside Jack. I love that handle. That's that's your handle on uh, on Twitter, right? Yeah, that's my handle on Twitter. Got Where'd... my toes in the sand, got a beer in my hand. <laughs> oh, boom! Seeing they're, they're right there on the business card. I can see it right there. How did you, <laughs> how, how did you come by Surfside Jack as a Twitter handle? Um, uh, born and raised Rockaway Beach, uh, New York. Um, the the apartment complex we were in was Surfside. I just kind of picked that up because I wanted something for the internet and. If you dial Seaside, you get a half dozen places in Jersey and one place in Australia. So I just went with Surfside instead. <laughs> well, it's got it's got a nice ring to it. It's, it's pure poetry, is what it is. It's poetry, East Coast poetry. So, New York Comic Con. I've heard so much about this. It sounds like a blast. It sounds like this this critical mass event horizon of all of these amazing storytellers uh, uh, and sequential artists and that whole vibe. What was it like? I mean, were you there for the whole con? Um, yeah, pretty much. I, I've been lucky in that uh, I'm still on the pro list from, from work I've done a few years ago, so I was able to snag a four-day pass. Um, I go usually parts of Thursday, most of Friday, and then parts of Saturday, and then I usually bring the kids with me because it's kids' day on Sunday. Oh, very cool. Now, wait, 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 before you go any further, a pro pass? What did you do, sir? I, I did some work for, for Paper Cuts. It, uh, it, uh, a small publisher in New York, they do... Um, uh, Tales in the Crypt, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Bionicle, uh, uh, Classics Illustrated. <clears throat> so, oh wow! Um, yes, yeah, so, so they're um, well, Jim Salakrup uh, was the uh, the editor in chief over there, and I met him up at MoCA, the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art. <laughs> um, uh, Jim's a good friend of mine, and and I our our day jobs are around the around the corner from each other, so it started off me just swinging by and giving him a hand, and after a while, I was doing a bunch of freelance stuff there for them for. Over a year, I guess, and I guess the the rosters up at New York Comic Con are, are slow to let that go. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to say no. So. Uh, hell no, hell no. Now freelance work. Are, are you writing or are you arting? Art, um, I did um, pr- pr- production stuff. Um, 
putting the books together uh, because a lot of it was reprints from stuff that previously printed or stuff that was literally just put together okay. uh, in different uh, paperback and hardcover, and then they would send it over to the printer in China. Uh, I did some lettering and uh, and I think some some coloring uh, for them for a little bit, but mostly it was production work. That's legitimately badass, dude. That that's some serious geek it's, cred. It's it's fun. It was a lot of fun. I'll you know, bet. I'll bet. Well, and you're you're, you're I mean you're pulling together one of the most amazing art forms, communication forms out there. I mean, the, the comic business has captivated people's attention for, for generations. Uh, it's always been kind of a rebel on the, on the fringe of, of society and culture and art. And, and it continues to be, uh, to this day. So dude, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I'm a comic geek for ooh, going on 40 years now. We don't need to give numbers. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. There you go. What's that? Speak up, Dave. I, I, can't, I can't hear you. Get off my lawn, you Michigander bastard. What are you damn, doing? Damn kids. <laughs> yeah, old guys talking. That's what they'll call this one. <laughs> so, look, you you uh, you cruised the, the, the con and picked up some very cool feedback from some very cool people. So if with your permission, I'd like to kind of make our way through this and, and, uh, and, and talk about what, uh, what you brought back with you. Sure. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Now, do you remember the question that we asked? Uh, it was a very cool question. Actually. And then, and you did provide the question. Okay. Um, where do you see the future of storytelling? The, the one thing I loved about this was that no preamble, no, uh, couch it anywhere. It was whatever, just throw that out there and whatever they wanted to um to come back with they did yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and see, I'm looking forward to this because if there's anybody that has a unique perspective of the future of storytelling, it's going to be the comic artists and the comic creators. That's those sequential artists. Yeah, the, the funny thing is that these, 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 uh, these people, I don't think any one of them was mainstream. Uh, one of them was uh, an author. She's been on your show. Right. Um, yeah. One guy is an indie publisher. One guy is a, is a print production guru who put together this amazing book. And the other guy's a web cartoonist. So it's not even like any of these guys are really uh, DC, Marvel, or Dark Horse. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're, they're already fringe or, yeah. or trailblazers in their own right. Awesome. Well, let's let's by all means let's do ladies first. Let's uh, let's start off with Alethea Contis, uh, who, as you said, was on our show and uh, was delightful and wonderful, cute as a button. Oh my goodness, yes. And uh, 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 her book Enchanted is out, and uh, she's working on the uh, copy edits, or as we call it, the dream polishing uh, for uh, the 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 sequel Hero, uh, which is going to be awesome and fabulous. So let's 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 hear what Alethea has to say here. Hi, this is Alethea Contis. I am the author of Enchanted, a fairy tale novel, and The Wonderland Alphabet, a collaboration with Janet Lee. I see the future of storytelling actually getting back to a lot of the old oral tradition. And I see that through social networking. A lot of the kids are just like I aming back and forth. And it's, it's all very uh, from your gut and from your heart. And You can see this, I think, through a lot of the fairy tale retellings and everything that's coming out right now because fairy tales were so much an oral tradition that was steeped steeped in telling stories around the campfire. And I think the Internet is kind of bringing that back to us a little bit. Now, she talked about this when she was on the show. and, And that's just fascinating to me, the notion of social media as literally as the as the format as the venue for the new storytelling that blows my mind i love that idea 
and it was great. And she's the only one to approach it from that angle. Um, I mean, it's such an organic, freewheeling, tough-to-pin-down kind of a thing that you can't even say that it's going viral. This is just the kind of thing that bounces back and forth uh, all over the place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, coming from my perspective, from from the podcasting standpoint, uh, and and just looking at how, uh, uh, you know, serialized audio fiction, podiobooks.com, audible.com, and this whole awakening of of author either authors reading their stories and then giving them away for free or or having a reader come in and read your stories for you regardless but the notion of of having that that audio element that that sound element that's sitting around the campfire uh, uh and actually experiencing it through the ears rather than through the eyes and the brain. It's a whole different way of, of engaging with a story. Now, are, are you, are you into that at all, John? Oh God. Yes. I mean, uh, well, the first, first podcast every week is of course, you know, the round table podcast. Oh, you're a gentleman, sir. But, but um, <laughs> I, it's funny because I don't, I, I love, it's not just people like, you know, throwing stuff out there for free. Everyone's talking about how to do it. Everyone's helping each other. Yeah. It's an amazing tribal level of, of, of cooperation you know people are making friends and, and making allies and going doing business ventures and then reaching out to, to, to the community for you know to, to get their 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 projects funded I mean yeah. it's such an organic tribal thing that yeah it, it does harken back to sitting around the campfire or or wandering you know troubadours you know coming up and and, and, and spinning their yarns it's, it's sure. an amazing I think it's really an amazing time yeah. and and also the notion that you know uh, that word community that you use John is perfect uh, That's true. Uh, the notion of of you know we don't need to own the world we just need to find our people and yeah. within our people we can either a sustain ourselves through our own little niche uh, uh, of expression or uh, we can collaborate and create something that's more than the sum of its parts and completely blow the lid off of whatever we're doing. True. Uh, so just just awesome stuff. So thank you, Alethea, for those for those brave and marvelous words and, and so very true. Uh, I, 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 just, I can't wait to see where where that aspect of storytelling goes. Now, Sam Ita is next on the list. Now he did the Odyssey pop-up book. Yeah, that's amazing. Really? Did you did he have it there? Did you see it? He did, and I'm um, I mean I've been in print production for you know decades, and um, <laughs> if you I mean if you could have seen this thing, it's it's as interactive as you can possibly get with with a hardbound book. Wow. Um, Pop ups and slide outs, and and it wasn't just the uh, the complicated you know, construction of it all. It was beautifully rendered, and it was a real story. You know, it's, but it's almost like when they take um, a novel or, or, or a short story, and they, they, they transfer it to another medium, you know, like for the stage or for film. Right. You have to, you have to pick and choose how you're going to present it because you can't get every line in there. So he literally, the scenes that he pulled out were uniquely his and presented from an angle that is uniquely his and all strung together in this amazingly beautiful book. Um, it, it's, it, it, that alone is very cool. But then when you listen to what he has to say about, about his notion of storytelling, you'll, you'll, you might get a better background. All right, uh, let's do that then. Let's see what Sam's got to say. I am Sam Ida. My latest book is uh, The Odyssey, a pop-up book. Um, when I think about the future of storytelling, I, I think a lot of the traditional means are starting to get repetitive. And, uh, 
and played out. Um, I think that there, there are there is uncharted territory. I, I think if you look in the video games um, and things things that are interactive and things that tell a story in an unusual way that that you don't see. There's a lot more that can be done, but uh, a lot of it's just the business of building a market or, or finding an audience. Um, and I think that that's you know it's a problem that'll take care of itself. I think the next next generation of people are going to be looking at different things in the current. The next generation of people will figure yeah. it out. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Now, now, what really jumped out at you about about Sam's uh, approach to the question? Um, and he's not alone in this, but it seems like a very rebel kind of a <laughs> attitude. Like, uh, even though his is a traditional hardbound book in terms of being a physical, not like a digital representation, yeah. um, it, it was his attitude like, I want to do this, I made this, I put it out there, but I'm not alone. There are other people doing, you know, following their own, their own vision in, in a way that, that he's doing as well. Um, and it just seemed to me... Like these are these 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 are the tribes lying outside the 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 empire. You know, they're <laughs> they're, they're um, the empire. Let's say being you know the big five or six. You know, up up you know Sixth Avenue here in the city. Well, these these are the people that are making their own rules and and you know riding literally riding circles around around the walled city that you know that is you know that is traditional publishing. Sure. You know, they're sure. not waiting for the okay to go. They're making it up as they go along, and it'll either work or it doesn't. But it's. It's um it's unique with a personal vision. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, like with the pop up book, uh, he was talking about interactivity and, and video games, and obviously, yeah. you know, a pop up book is is not a video game in that respect. But oh my god, it's so tactile, uh, uh, and it's you know, it's right there, and you're you're getting your hands right into it. The video game, I think, is a little more removed, but, but. Whole, the storytelling elements of contemporary video games have gone through the roof just like in the last five to ten years. Yeah. It's it's a whole new world. Actors are getting work in the video game business. True. You know, writers are getting work in the video game business because the the creators are trying to tell a a, a much richer, deeper story. Uh, and then the interactive element and the engagement with, uh, on the user's part or the player's part uh, uh, just takes it that much further. That's true. We have a, our our mutual friend, uh, uh, Justin McCumber. Oh my yes. Um, he is a huge gamer, and if you even suggest in in the same room that uh, that there isn't storytelling involved, you know he'll <laughs> he'll set you straight. He'll get up in your business. He, he get right in your face. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not a gamer. I'm always afraid that if I went down that road, I'd never leave the house. Yeah, I hear but, you. Um, but there's there uh, you can you can see the people that, that love it, and there is and I've seen people interviewed. Uh, there's definitely a level of, of of writing, acting, storytelling that's a whole other level. Yeah, uh, beyond beyond what we've seen, and there'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. I was working for an online magazine a while ago, and I interviewed uh, Danny Hellman. He's a cartoonist here in the city, and we were going back. He's uh, very indie, very, you know, non-mainstream. He did work for the Village Voice, things like that. But I remember the, one of the questions we went over was, you know, what do you, almost like, what do you see the future of storytelling? And it, it rolled over to games. He said, well, why would you want to read about Spider-Man when you could, when you could be Spider-Man? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, how far can you take that interactivity? I mean, 
so much of game design now. And that's another thing about this next generation that Sam was referring to. You know, when you and I went to school, John, they, they, they didn't have degrees in game design or computer games or anything like that. They didn't have colleges dedicated exclusively. It wasn't a multi-billion dollar industry when we were growing up. But now it is. And, and how far can you take that interactivity? I mean, there's a point where the logic of the game, the, the limitations of the hardware and the software, I mean, there's only so many variations you can program. How far can that go, do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you, if, if you watch Star Trek The Next Generation, every week they're yeah. on that holodeck doing, sure. you know, I mean, yeah. I, I think... I literally think it, we're only we're only hemmed in right now by the technology. I, I mean, human imagination. If if you can imagine it, it, it will be done. Yeah, yeah. and well, and if they can tailor it to your own personal tastes. I mean, your game might be different than my game. It may start out at the same starting point, and you may end up in a completely different story. You know, an hour down the road. Right, right. And as Sam pointed out. You know, this next generation that's growing up with this stuff, that's hardwired yeah. into it, who knows what they're going to be developing, what what venues they're going to be exploring, what quantum computing uh, is going to allow them to do, what sort of infusion or investment a player will be able to have in the gaming experience that they're evolving. It, it, it boggles my mind. No, it does. It does. Yep. Now, Howie Knoll. A uh, uh, little more conventional in the comic line, right? Uh, he's another indie guy, but yeah, right. his, his um, uh, yeah, but far more conventional in that he writes and draws his own stuff and produces you know, uh, an online and, and a physical strip. Okay, and and also um, not just uh, was it Terra Normal is his is his comic right. product, but he also does. I mean, this guy does Mad Magazine caliber yeah, yeah. caricatures, uh, uh, just some amazing. Uh, transformations of uh and and not grotesqueries but you know caricatures exaggerations of of celebrity and and feature and form just brilliant stuff uh, uh and he had some intriguing things to say as well so let's let's tune in on master howie's vibe for just a second here so my name's howie knoll terranormal.com my property is terranormal uh, and you can find me on Twitter at, at @hcnoll. I find the future of storytelling. I believe the future is uh, through independent publishing. I think with the advance of digital publishing and the the Nooks and the Kindle and the iPads becoming so huge, I think people are gonna. Everybody's got a story in them, and I think more people are gonna grow and tell those stories, and this gives them direct. Uh, a direct link to an audience and they can just get their story out there without worrying about a publisher and having you know having to submit their I think that's the future we're all we're all very free now <laughs> uh, I, I could yeah power to the people the man ain't taking us down no more <laughs> <laughs> but you, you do see a pattern for me here I do yeah. well but but every one of every one of these individuals is coming at it from from a different perspective exactly, and, yeah. and you know how he's coming at it, and and God, it's so true. And you and I have had this discussion many times uh, uh, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But the the notion of the indie pub and the freedom of any storyteller now to get out there and say, "Hey, here's my stuff. Do you like it? If so, buy it. If and spread the word," uh, which is just totally 
freaking every <laughs> mainstream publisher and and venue that, uh, retail marketing venue they're still trying to figure it out yeah and the, the thing is uh, I, I think in previous uh, decades you know the, uh, it was publishers and distributors trying to figure things out now it's like herding cats with everybody from you know from Australia to the Arctic Circle producing their own stuff and throwing it out there there's you, you can't tell which way that the you know the wind is going to blow and bring sure. something new into the, onto your screen. Sure, it's it was, it's like when uh, when uh, uh, day traders started being able to make sales or do purchases on the stock market directly without the benefit of of a of a broker in between anymore. Everything just kind of went a little crazy. Yeah, my day job is for a financial publisher. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know all about that. Yeah, they they went a little nutty. <laughs> well, and and you know. It, there's there's been a lot of a lot of fretting and frothing. I'm not even going to get into the whole are our regular books going to stick around or not? Who cares? I mean, honestly, who cares? If you love paper books, then yes, paper books will be around. If you love the ebooks, yes, the ebooks will be around. That's not the issue. I think the real issue, uh, uh, and I hate to sound mercenary about this, and this is so unlike me, uh, uh, but the real <laughs> issue is is the the not the revenue stream, but but so many people like Amazon, like Simon and Schuster, like the big big five, whatever. They're trying to find this model. They're trying to find the silver bullet, the 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 demographic, the statistic that will allow them to predict how this is going to work out and what the formula is so they can make money consistently on X, Y, and Z using this new technology. But as you pointed out, John. You can't. It's impossible. There's just no way. So the beauty of it is, is that it's it's become much more organic. And you've got yeah. people like Hugh Howey, who just wrote a really good story. He was interviewed somewhere recently, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. What was it? The, uh, oh, the oh, round table. Right. Uh, round table. That's the <laughs> that was a brilliant interview, by the way. Oh, uh, it was great. <laughs> but, you know, case in point, uh, here's a guy who wrote a fabulous story. Fans dug dug it a lot and said, give us more. So he adapted. He responded. He turned it into this thing and turned out he had the writing chops and the storytelling skills to make an awesome story. And it's it's going on from there. You know, um, was uh, Amanda Hawking was the first, oh, my God, person to do that. And there will be more. Yeah. Because as, as Howie pointed out, we're free. We can put our stories out there. Getting it into the hands of people that will dig it, that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, if one, two, three people dig your story, they spread the word. And then they spread the word. And if you've got a good story to tell, it'll take care of itself. Where will it get out, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Now, the funny thing is when people start talking about things like that, they're like, uh, you know, how how can we get the word out? But with, with the shrinking book market, the physical bookstores closing up, I mean... The, it's not like you had that as, as a wide open route anyway. Exactly. So, so even if you set all that aside, the problem of finding eyes is still going to be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and the beauty of it is though, and, and here's what I love about it, John, is that you, the, the, the day of that author who like sits in a, in a, in a room on a house, on a hill somewhere, Smoking a pipe. Smoking a pipe and not engaging with his fans, just doling his words out into the world one page at a time. Those days are over, baby. Done, yeah. You cannot sit on your ivory tower and write 
words and not engage with your fans in some way or other. Otherwise, nobody nobody knows where you are. And the fans are expecting it. When they read that last page of your book, the very next thing, at least that I want to do, is if I if I enjoyed the book, I want to go to the website. I want to yeah. read the blog. I want to I want to I want to talk to people who also enjoyed this book and gush for a little bit. And the way I do that is online, on Twitter, on Facebook, on a blog or a website. And by God, if you're a writer, you better have that stuff or or have someone who can facilitate it for you so that the fans can engage with you and can get that more personal connection that that for the longest time we didn't have. The funny thing is because sometimes all you want to do is just say thank you for the great story. Yes. And, you know, yes. and now you've got you've got that kind of access to people. Exactly. Exactly. And and you know, just that just that moment of gratitude, you know, as as an author, I'm sure that feels awesome. Uh, someday, hopefully, you know, you and I, John, will know that feeling someday. Um, but, uh, uh, but as a fan, it feels awesome too. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the authors maybe that are reticent to make that step need to remember how cool it is for an, for a fan to just be able to say, thank you for writing such an awesome story. You, you, you changed my world for, for, you know, a week while I was immersed in, in whatever creation it was. And that's so important. You know, it, it, it's exactly that. that um, I, I volunteered at, at MoCA for a, a bunch of years. And um, one of the reasons was I loved the medium of the people that created uh, comics and cartoons. And I literally just wanted to be able to give something back. Sure. And the really cool thing was, it was it wasn't going to a convention where you know, there were long lines and there's this distance. But you were ha- people you're hanging out with these people that made some of your favorite stories, you know, the cocktail parties. Uh, you just you rub- you're literally rubbing elbows with these people, where you could just say, and I, "My phrase became, thank you for adding to my life.'" <laughs> there you go. It's as simple as that. I mean, I'm not going I'm not going to gush, but your your story left me something, and and I like you know like just to say thank you. Yeah, that, and that's an excellent way of putting it, John. It, it added to my life. That's awesome. That's that's a very cool phrase. I like that. I, I like got to say that to, to Stan Lee. He said, "Well, bless your soul." Oh God! Oh man, you the, the, the mighty Stan Lee himself. Oh, he's funny. He's oh, funny. Yeah, dude. Dude, see you you've 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 walked among you've walked trod with legends, man. You oh, have you have please. walked with fame. I was. I mean, that was really part of the cool thing. Where you're. I mean, Stan Lee was one thing, but uh. Uh, artists and writers you know, from the, from decades, I mean, the guy that used to do Superman, I mean, we're actually looking at other people's art up on the wall, and he and I are discussing inking techniques. I mean, how often do you get to discuss <laughs> inking techniques with Murphy Anderson for crying out loud? You know, Holy smokes! Very cool. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now this last guy, Brad Geiger, Evil Ink, uh, uh, Evil Hyphen Comic dot com. Um, it's interesting, you know. I started, uh, uh, like so many, I know you, me, many of us geek nerds out there got into the comic scene, uh, uh, and I, I guarantee that you've read this book, John, uh, uh, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. If I lean forward, I can touch it on my shelf. <laughs> yep, I can see it and its, its, its sequel uh, uh, sitting on my shelf as well. Um, brilliant book, wonderful exploration of, of the sequential art form. Uh, which in and of itself is badass. But then you've got people like Brad Geiger and Dave Collette 
and and um oh god who chris uh uh chris straub and straub. scott Kurtz. i mean all of these pioneers talk about your your rebels your trailblazers the web comic dudes and dudettes uh uh out there that said you know we don't need the newspaper uh, uh we can step out and we can make it on the web and you know really this was before the uh, uh the ebook yeah. sensation uh, uh but they you know these guys were coming out with how to how to do a web comic uh, uh even before the kindle even existed uh it was a twinkle in 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 mr amazon's eyes i don't know remember his name off the top of my head <laughs> but you know no they really was it was a web comic they they had a they, they had a syndicated newspaper strip on the web is pretty much what it was yes exactly and- Exactly. And, you know, PVP and Penny Arcade uh, uh, and um, Sheldon and, of course, Evil Inc. I mean, these guys really proved that there is a new model. There is a new world out there. I think they I really think that they at least had a hand in proving that the ebook phenomena could work and and opened up that possibility as well so let's let's give a listen to to master brad's uh, uh insights into the future of storytelling uh, this is brad geiger from evil incorporated at evil comic.com uh, what do i think the future of of storytelling is uh i think it's going to be the result of the democratization of uh of, of creativity on the web I think uh, very much so people are going to find out that that they can exercise their creative muscles and they can self-publish like we've been doing uh, in the webcomics world for the last 10 years uh, with uh, with Amazon coming out with things like Amazon Serials and KDP uh, with, uh, with, with a lot of small online comic book retailers uh, popping up. I'm thinking that you're going to see a lot of people come out and discover that they really have a, a, the passion for storytelling backed up by uh, better and better skills. And you're going to see a lot of creative talent coming out of nowhere uh, thanks to just the easy access of self-publishing uh, mechanisms like the web and, and digital publishing. I think it's a very exciting time to be a creative professional uh, in America today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. I love that phrase, the democratization yeah, yeah. of creativity. Uh, uh, because, you know, and, and this is something that I've, I've spoken about many times. And, and, of course, Brad is hearkening back to what Howie had touched on, the whole anybody can get a story out there. There's, there's lots of open doors now. There's not as, nearly as many uh, hoops to jump through, which is a mixed blessing, to be sure. Yeah. But the other thing is, and, you know, when you use words like democratization, uh, uh, that's just like two steps and a skip away from collaboration and engagement and interactivity, which was what, you know, uh, Sam was talking about. And the notion of, of interactive storytelling, of, of collaborative writing, of shared worlds, uh, uh, continues to to rivet uh, my attention and capture my imagination. Do you do you have any experience with those things at all, John? Um, I remember the uh, being amazed back in the eighties when uh, what was it? Oh, uh, Thieves World. Thieves World. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I was. I, I my jaw still drops when I think I said. I said to anyone who would listen, and you know, I said, "Oh, this is amazing! You know that you create this world. People come in and play with." And share each other's toys, and and some great stories were done. And I think now, like everyone here has said, 
uh, all these moving parts, with, with everybody creating at the same time, reaching out at the same time, it really is a web of activity. Yes. And, and um, I keep referring to it as a, on a tribal level because it's outside your family but a lot smaller than, than, than a city. And it's, it's, uh, you, you meet people of like mind with, uh, with similar, uh, similar tastes and with similar goals, and there's a lot of people helping people. Uh, online and a lot of it is, is dealing with you know anything from a podcast to producing them. I mean, I've donated. I mean, I've been a print professional for for thirty years. I've donated my time to people who I thought you have a great story. I, I'd like the book to get out there and not look like it came off of a, you know a Xerox machine. <laughs> I think it's important. I, I, I really do. Yeah. Well, and and the notion of tribe. I mean. There, there, there's it's it even goes beyond just just similarities. I think there's also passion there. There's yes. there's survival. There's there's you know when you're in a tribe. I mean there's 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 blood that has been shared, and it goes even deeper. I think than than family or 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 common goals. It's like you are my brother. You are my <laughs> sister. We will go. We will go hunt wild antelope and eat it raw together. Yes. <laughs> You know, how, long, how long have you waited to track that out? <laughs> how long have you been bottling it up, dude? I know. I just I want to get out there and and like kill something and roll in it like a dog. Uh, but but I mean seriously, you know the 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 your term so many moving parts. Uh, I, I think that's very telling, and it and it does have this almost this amazing machine quality of things with ebooks, with video games, with podcasting, with audio, with video, with with websites and conventions and and things like Skype. I mean, holy crap! You and I, you're in New York, I'm in Tennessee, and we're having a great conversation. There's 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 online communities. There's there's shared world online communities. There's movies going on fan fiction is no longer fan fiction anymore now it's shared world stuff right. uh you know the the creative commons licensing has opened up the possibility to you know actually being able to not only protect yourself and your copyright but at the same time open it up to others to play in that world and everybody being comfortable and having a level of trust that nobody's going to screw anyone else yeah yeah it's funny, all the things that you named were, were, um, are, are tools for the job, um, uh, you know, uh, the web, podcasting, things like that, but uh, I think of it as, as much as an organic thing. Like, you really can't, you don't know where creativity is going to pop up. It's, yeah. it's almost like, uh, literally, when they use the term going viral, you have no idea where it's going to go from here. Yeah. And I, I think that's the really cool thing. I think that the, you keep your, uh, keep your eyes and ears open to see the next, the next big thing. I mean, no one could have predicted that that Brad and company would have would have helped to corner the uh, the web comic market. I mean, they were oh, yeah. doing you know back when there wasn't a dime to be made. That's right, and and they literally their back was against the wall because there was no money to be made in the conventional market. So they they turned around and said, "Well, let's break through this wall, see what we can do here." And they literally wrote the book on it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And we both own that book. Yes, we do. John, I can't thank you enough for for not only for for bringing back uh, uh, this this genuine progression of gold uh, uh, from Alethea's oral traditions to to Sam's interactivity to the to the indie pub that Howie invoked, and then the democratization of of Brad Geiger. 
this this really has been an intriguing exploration of not only the future of storytelling, but really kind of the future of, of creativity. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and then being able to sit down and talk with you was a real pleasure, but I, I really appreciate it. Well, I, I, I had a blast. <laughs> well, next next year, you do it again, yes? Yeah, yeah. This year, no, coming up, right? It's already 2013? Yes. Well, okay, so we're going to be on the books for New York Comic Con. You'll be our wandering alchemist, and you'll bring back some some more literary gold to, to share with our listeners then. So, dear friends, thank you, as always, for tuning in uh, uh, to the uh, sometimes weird but always wonderful uh, Roundtable podcast and this special edition of Gold from New York City brought to us by John Surfside Jack McCarthy, uh, uh, for which we are so very grateful. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, the regular feed continues, as always, with the Tuesdays and the Fridays. Uh, uh, and, uh, of course, more literary gold to be had along those lines. Uh, uh, but uh, but we thank you for jumping out of your out of your comfort zone, breaking out of the rut, and exploring the the future of of storytelling and creativity with us for this half hour, forty five minutes or so. Uh, we'll see you back in the regular feed at the regular time. Until then, you guys stay cool, be awesome, be frosty, and we will talk to you soon. Bye bye. This episode is copyright 2013 by the Roundtable Podcast and released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. So please, don't sell it, but you can share it all you like. And even use segments of it in your own creations. Just make sure you release that creation under the same licensing terms and attribute us as the source. We'd like to extend our sincere thanks to the marvelous creators who helped inform this discussion. Alethea Contis, Sam Ita, Howie Knoll, and Brad Geiger. We appreciate not only your willingness to share your thoughts and insights, but also your remarkable contributions to the stories we love so much. And a big thanks to wandering alchemist John McCarthy for seeking out these fabulous individuals and gathering the literary gold for this episode. It's that kind of above and beyond contribution and the cojones to stick around and talk about it afterwards that makes the roundtable a great experience and a lot of fun for Brian and I and our listeners. Thanks, John. The roundtable feed continues as usual in the coming days, but we appreciate you tuning into this disruption of the routine. There are more disruptions in the works, so stay tuned, and in the meantime, as Brian says, go right. <laughs>